everyone. Welcome to CTC and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. My name is Lynn Poindexter and you're watching the three before. Each week we will take three minutes before our service to catch you up on some of the things happening around our church. Ministering to people in need is something we're passionate about. As we approach Easter, we will once again be assembling Easter baskets for the children of women in local shelters. Items we need include seven-inch stuffed animals, books, toothbrushes and toothpaste, and candy. We ask that you return your donations to the Bear Campus by April 2nd. Ginger Carol is available in the mall at Bear this weekend if you have questions, or you can contact her at 302-690-1308. Bible reading is a daily habit that many of us have struggled to develop. Beginning on March 16th and continuing on the third Thursday of every month, we have a new life group designed to help with that. Women of the Word will seek to encourage women in daily Bible reading with plans, discussions, and making the most of what we read in God's Word. To learn more or to sign up, contact Chrissy Carroll at ccarroll at ctcde.church. As we approach the date for our church conference, to vote on disaffiliation. We want to make sure we keep you updated. The vote meeting is set for Tuesday, March 14th at 6.30 p.m. As a reminder, our lay elders are leading this effort and they're available to talk with anyone from either campus that has questions about disaffiliation. Our elders are Gwen Harris Montague, Kathy Hudson, Margaret Alt, Darren Waters, Francine Beatty Stone, and Nick DeBuno. Thanks for being here today. You can find more information about all of our events by going to ctcde.church. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. As we worship together today, our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God than ever. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. Now, let's get ready to worship. Good morning. Welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Can we stand together? Those of you that are worshiping with us online, we welcome you and we thank you for worshiping with us today. We know today that we have a God who loves us, not because he's told himself to do it, but because that's who he is. God is love. Amen. Thank you. God. Thank you, God, for loving us in spite of ourselves worship you today, God. Remember those walls that we called sin and shame. They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died and he rose. Those walls are rubble now. Those giants we call death and grave. They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now. 
because it's something on your to-do list, but because of who you are. And so, Lord, today we express our gratitude and our worship for you from our hearts in the only way that we can, in the best way that we can, and that's with our words and our hearts, the attitudes of our hearts, our lips today, our worship, our praise. We give it all to you, God, because you loved us and you gave yourself for us. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to move among us Move among us, we invite you. God, we pray that you would change us in the moments that we have together today. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer and everybody said together. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, again, welcome to Christ the Cornerstone. It is so good to have you in the house of the Lord today. Uh, If you are new, we want to welcome you, especially those of you that are online, we welcome you. If you're new, whether you're in the room or online, uh, just a special welcome for you. If you're new and you're here in the room, when you leave today, uh, just to the left when you exit the sanctuary is our Connect Central, and uh, we invite you to stop by there, pick up a free gift. Uh, You'll have a chance to meet some folks from our church and uh, just spend a few minutes there finding out about the ministries uh, of Christ the Cornerstone. Uh, And obviously that goes for anybody who's a regular attender. You can stop by and uh, pick up information about ministries. If you're new and you're online, uh, there's an I'm new button that you can click and uh, give us that information. Just give us the very basic information if you don't mind, and uh, we promise not to misuse that. Right where you're seated is a Connect card that we ask you to fill out whenever you uh, worship with us. Also online, uh, there is a Connect card just so that you can let us know that you're worshiping with us today and who's with you, uh, because when you're not here, uh, we miss you, and we want to be able to follow up with you uh, if, you're, uh, if you're not able to come to worship. Uh, so fill that uh, card out and uh, turn it into one of the baskets when you leave today. Also, you can put your prayer requests and your praise reports on there. And uh, we meet together, groups meet together several times during the week uh, to pray over your needs. And so we would love it if you would trust that, trust us with that information uh, so that we can pray with you. Pastor Rogers, come in now. 
Yes, I am. Good morning, everybody. Great to see you here. Thank you for getting up this morning and gathering with us. And those of you online, welcome. Thank you for getting up and being with us on a beautiful day. And, uh, you know, the 11 o'clock service is coming up in a couple of hours. So if you're if you 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 miss the get up time for the nine (laughs) o'clock, come and join us for the 11 o'clock. We'd be glad to see you. Uh, This Tuesday, we have our important uh, vote for the uh, disaffiliation process. And we certainly, as you've seen letters and we've had discussions, you know that I and our leadership team are encouraging us to vote yes to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. That's 630 on Tuesday night. I want to encourage you to do that. Keep us in prayer for that. Uh, We are a praying congregation. We can't do anything. I just sent out the email. It was a little late. Email went out this morning uh, that talks about every every moment of every day we need to take in breath. Every moment of every day we need to be filled with the breath of God in our lives, and uh, prayer is such an important part of that. And uh, we need to be a praying uh, congregation, and we are. I feel your prayers, and God will guide us into the ministry that he wants us to have, and I'm grateful and look forward, look forward to that. Let's um, uh, encourage each other in, in the, the basics of what we believe and who we are called to be as we love God, love others, serve God and serve others in Jesus' name, and engage the world and engage one another with this good message. Let's read this scripture that will be very familiar to you. Uh, I hope, and let's read this together as we encourage one another. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, so that whoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. For this is, uh, for God sent His Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. I invite you to stand once again as we continue to worship and and we praise God with our voices, with singing, and and, uh, let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that you have breathed once again the breath of life into each one of us. Help us breathe deeply your grace, your mercy, your power into our lives so that when we exhale... Out of our lives come the fruit of your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we're here to worship you. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Seated in heavenly places with him today is where we are. And whatever you're facing today, whatever battle, he's never lost. Amen. God, we thank you for that. I've tried so hard to see it. It took me so long to believe it. Then you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Could never earn it. You give what we don't deserve, and you take the 
today. God, we thank you that today that's where we're seated with you in those heavenly places. You've given us the power of your name. Lord, we see so often in your word how you brought people through different circumstances. And today you are no different. Your word says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, we're calling on you today. I'm calling on the God of Jacob, whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses, the one who
Spirit, come and fill us today. God, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he did it for someone that he wrote about in the scripture, if he did it for someone last century, if he did it for someone last week, he can do it for you today. And when we sing a lyric like, you're the same God, we're not reminding God of who he is. We say this all the time. Maybe you get sick and tired of hearing me say this, but I think we need to be reminded. And by we, I mean me. Sometimes we forget that he's the same God. We're looking at something. We're looking at a particular situation in our lives or a situation that we're struggling with. And we don't remember even what he did for us before much less what he did for those in the scripture or what he did for our aunt or our uncle or somebody else that we know about that God brought us through something significant and we forget. So we're the ones who need to be reminded of God's word, not him. We're the ones who need to be reminded that he is the same. We're the ones who need to be reminded that he's given us the power and authority of his name. As you, as I've been sharing a little bit along the way, my wife and I have been watching The Chosen. And recently we watched an episode where Jesus sent his disciples out two by two. You're probably familiar with that part of the scripture. But he empowered them because of the power of his name to do the same things that he had been doing. And then later on, before Jesus left the earth, he looked at his disciples and he said, The things that I have done, even greater things you will do. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. So today, we have the authority of His name. All of His names. Isaiah chapter 9, we love to quote at Christmas time, but it's for every single day of the year. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and His kingdom, 
there will be no end. We have the authority that Jesus has given us today because of his names.
there. We're going to do something new this morning. We want to bless the children as they as they go off. So this is an invitation for the for the children to come and gather together. And let's just pray and and offer a blessing to them. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time of worship. Lord, as we transition now and we we listen to your word, we we thank you for our young people, for our children, and we ask your presence to be upon them that they may learn who you are, they may learn about you, they may grow and in, in love with you and in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with all people. We thank you for that. Be with us now, God, as we listen to your word. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Open our ears and our minds. Open the ears of all of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. said earlier prayer is 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 perhaps the thing that keeps us moving and growing and developing in our relationship with God it's just like a friendship that we have with anybody else we've got to be communicating with one another and prayer is the way that we we talk with God prayer is the way that we listen to God in our lives so we've learned that prayer is an essential strategy for creating and deepening our relationship, our friendship with God. Today we focus on a phrase from the Lord's Prayer, Thy will be done. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Be present on this earth, God. It's one of the requests that we make of God. More specifically, we're talking about making requests to God, and that means we intercede for one another. To intercede is an act of coming between two parties in order to assist a reconciliation of a problem. God gives us the ability to stand between someone who has a problem and the Almighty God who has a solution, and we can pray for that person and that solution to come. We become mediators. The Bible says, talks about in, in, in the New Testament, the priesthood of all believers. And that's what priests do. Priests are mediators between the people of God and God. And those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, we become the priesthood of all believers. An intercessory prayer is a person who's willing to take up the cause of one person in the presence of God. And there are times, you know, we, we, we see this in scriptures all the time. We're going to look at an Old Testament, but a New Testament illustration that comes to mind very quickly is are those four friends of the lame man who carried him on his mat to Jesus. 
They took, literally took up his cause on his behalf and walked him into the presence of Jesus. Isn't it an amazing thing that through our prayers for somebody else, we can lift them up and walk them into the presence of God? Think about that. That ought to be an amazing privilege that we have as followers of Jesus. That we can take somebody else into the presence of Jesus. So those four people, they lifted up this man on their mat. They walked. There was a large crowd around the house in which Jesus was teaching. They couldn't get inside. They couldn't even get close to them. Somebody said, well, there's a rooftop. So they made their way around up the stairs or up the ladder or whatever it was. They clawed their way through the roof while Jesus is teaching. Now, if somebody starts coming through this roof while I'm teaching, it's going to get my attention. (laughs) It's going to get your attention, too. And they lowered that man down into the presence of Jesus. And Jesus said, by their faith, you are healed. Look what God does because somebody is willing to intercede for somebody else. We're talking about that kind of prayer this morning. Let's go to the Old Testament to look at an example of intercessory prayer. In the book of Exodus, chapter 17, we'll look at verses 8 through 13. <coughs> In verses 8 through 13. Now, this is a time when Moses had already led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And they, they crossed the Red Sea. They made it through there safely. An amazing, miraculous feat that God performed for His people. And now they're wandering in the wilderness. Now they're getting hungry. Now they're getting tired. Now they're getting thirsty. They, came, they come to a place called Rephidim. And there is no water. Estimates say that there are between 300,000 to a million Israelites that came out of Egypt with Moses. That, 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 that's not a minivan full of people. That's, that's a, uh, 300,000 minivans full of people. It's a lot of people. They're all hungry. They're all thirsty. And they turn to Moses and they start grumbling and complaining and arguing among themselves. You brought us out here to die. Why did you do that? So Moses quickly turned their anger that was coming to him. He he turned to God. That's intercessory. (laughs) And Moses said to God, what am I to do with these people? They're going to kill me. And God instructed Moses to take his staff. The staff, the same staff that he used, according to God's instructions, he struck the Nile River. It turned to blood red in one of the plagues that that convinced Pharaoh to finally let them go. The same staff. He said, strike the rock at Mount Sinai. I will be standing on the rock. Strike the rock in my presence. And when Moses did, water came running out of the rock for the people. Moses named that place Meribah, 
Meribah is a Hebrew word that means place of arguing. <laughs> and I remember a family vacation that we took once back in the 1970s, early 1970s. I was young. Dad loaded us, the six of us, in the car. And, and we traveled from upstate New York. We were visiting my aunt who lived in Missouri. We got in the middle of Indiana. It was wintertime because we were visiting her at Christmas time. And Indiana was not, the weather was not pleasant. It was cold. It was windy. It was snowy. It was dark. We needed a hotel. And in those days before the internet, dad wasn't going to call. Mom wasn't going to call ahead and find a hotel at some place. They didn't know where we were going to be when we needed a place to stay. So we found a place along the way. And I remember mom and dad arguing. Mom saying, Larry, there's a hotel. Yeah, there'll be one in the next exit. Larry, there's another hotel. (laughs) My kids were just sitting in the back, quiet. Come on, dad. I got to go to the bathroom. I'm tired. I'm hungry. There's another hotel. That was the place of arguing <laughs> for us. We remember that church. We remember things by what <coughs> excuse me, happens in them. So this was the place where the people argued. They turned against Moses. And they even asked the question, is God even with us anymore? They were arguing. Moses called it the place of arguing. So while the people were still arguing... They were dying of thirst. The nearby tribes called the Amalekites saw the Israelites. Remember, it's not just one minivan load of kids. There's hundreds and thousands of people. The Amalekites saw this massive group of people taking their territory. They saw them arguing with each other. And they saw, here's our opportunity to attack. And so they... They started to attack the Israelites. And so we read it with verse 8 in chapter 7 of the book of Exodus. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Uh Uh-oh. Moses commanded Joshua, (laughs) choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. The same staff that turned the Nile red. The same staff that split the Red Sea. The same staff that struck the water in the presence of God. Remember what prayer does. It brings me, you, others that we pray for into the presence of God. Who does these things? God, who created you. This is a presence that is not anything to be laughed at, scoffed at. This is the presence of God. The same staff. Holding the staff of God in my hand. And so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. 
And Moses' arms soon became so tired he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and her found a stone for him to sit on. Thank you, Jesus, for a stone to sit down. <laughs> and then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands, so his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Praise God. Notice that in the arguing of the people of God, that in their physical distress of thirstiness, the enemy took notice. The enemy is still doing the same thing to us today. Beware. They were physically weakened. They were tired. They were hungry. They were thirsty. And they were, the enemy knew to take advantage and attack the people of God at that opportunity. And not only were the people physically vulnerable, their physical vulnerability caused them to argue among themselves and against Moses and question the very presence of God with them. Their relationship with the leaders became vulnerable. The morale of the community fell low. They didn't even know if God was with them anymore. Their spiritual trust was tested and weakened. And these are still the powerful strategies that the devil, that evil uses today to pit the church against itself. To argue, to bicker and argue. That's my seat. No, that's, that's my job. No, I do not. No, that's somebody else. Oh, stop. We need to care for our relationships with one another in order to maintain the unity that Christ intends for us as the church. And we need to pay attention to the physical needs of one another. Caring for one another in every way. Not just our physical needs, but our spiritual and our relational needs too. Don't get hangry (laughs) and ruin your relationship, the bond of unity of one another in the church. One way that we can test the morale among us is to measure our level of resentment that we have against another person. To resent someone means simply to feel or show annoyance. (laughs) I'm annoyed with you. This happens every day. Or to wish harm or failure upon another person. I don't want so-and-so to succeed, so I'm not going to help them. That's resentment. Can you think of anyone that annoyed you recently? Don't name it. (laughs) Stop it, husband. (laughs) Happens all the time. Do not allow resentment against a person to build up. Resentment is is, is like Legos. (laughs) Building brick upon brick upon brick upon brick until... You have this battleship that is going to attack. Don't let resentment build up against. Resentment is a cancer that weakens the body of Christ. It leaves a gap wide open for the devil to intervene and separate us from one another so that we cannot accomplish the mission that Jesus has given us to do. 
as we come to this vote on Tuesday, do not resent the United Methodist Church. Don't let any disappointment, don't let any frustration, don't let any disagreement with, with somebody, a leadership or another lay person in the church, or maybe somebody, there are going to be people in our own congregation that vote no to the disaffiliation. Do not let resentment come into our relationship. We are to love all people. We've got to let go of that disappointment. We've got to let go of that resentment. We've got to let go of any bitterness. We've got to let go of any anger that comes out of our lack of understanding why one person is voting this way and another person is voting this way. Do not let resentment build up. Watch your language about the bishop. Watch your language about various groups within the United Methodist Church. Do not let resentment build up among us. Do not resent your spouse. Do not let resentment build up in your marriage or against your co-worker. Instead, pray for yourself to let go of resentment. To forgive as you have been forgiven. To deal with issues that need to be dealt with, but don't let them build up to resentment. That is a cancer that separates our unity. Pray for an opportunity to reconcile with that person or to set up a clear boundary that will protect you and them as well as guide you in living according to God's love and purpose for us all. I know this isn't easy. (laughs) It's tough. We must pray and we must work together. I'm very well aware and grateful for this congregation, which I said earlier is a praying congregation. Many of you are praying for me, and I'm grateful for you to tell me that. I felt your prayers, even if you haven't prayed for me. God has been strengthening me and Carolyn to give the leadership, and 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 leadership is 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 leadership is a tough thing. It takes humility. It takes courage. It takes wisdom. Beyond my own ability and strength, especially in the church. So I thank you for your prayers. We're fighting against evil forces in this world in so many ways. But we will see God prevail even if we feel the stress and the strain in the moment. Keep praying. Intercede for one another as as we saw Aaron and her hold up Moses' arms as Joshua led Israel to defeat the Amalekites. So all of them were interceding. Joshua had his job interceding for the people against the Amalekites. Moses has his job to hold up and intercede for the, for the entire army that was out there. Aaron and her had their job to intercede for Moses. So that he could maintain the staff in that position so that God could work. Remember Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. This is a this this is God speaking to King Solomon after Solomon has finished the temple of God. This amazing, beautiful place for God to reside, for the people of God to worship, for them to give their sacrifices and their worship to God. And 
And Solomon had just dedicated this. And God speaks to Solomon. And he says these powerful words. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. Look, look at the context of this. This is a moment of powerful worship. Why would God say in this moment after Solomon has finished this glorious temple in the worship of God, God is saying, I'm going to do some things you don't like. Expect it. Or I'm going to command grasshoppers to devour your crops. But God, we need those crops. Or send plagues among you. God is taking credit for sending these disastrous events. I don't know why. I only know that God says there will be times when I do this to you. So we go to the doctor, and a doctor with good bedside manner or a nurse or caregiver with good bedside manner who has to inject us says, this is going to pinch, but it is for your good. God's saying to us, there will be times when I do things to you that you don't like. I am going to discipline my children. Now hang, hang with that thought and the context. Solomon built this temple. He worshipped God. God says to him, I'm going to do things that you don't like. Now let's look at this verse, which I guarantee all of you have heard, but it's been taken out of this context. But I'm putting it back in this context. And God says to him, after he says, I'm going to do things that you don't like. And he says, then, when I do things you don't like, When you are suffering, when you have lost your food, when I have caused you to to lose your food, you may not understand. Then, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and (laughs) change the script (laughs) and turn from their wicked ways. When does God tell us to humble ourselves? When He sends something we don't like. How could you do that, God? Turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And I will restore their lands. What does God want from us? God wants a relationship with us. God wants us to turn to Him. God does not want us to live our lives on our own sustenance. God wants us, not because He's an egomaniac, but because He is the only one who gives us life and He is the only one who will sustain our lives. And He's the only one to give us eternal life. We must repent. We must humble ourselves. We must turn to Him and pray. And He will hear our Prayer. Here are four simple steps in interceding. Number one, when we intercede for others, get informed. 
Get informed. A farmer's fields were burning up in one of the worst droughts in years. And one Sunday morning, before church, he asked the preacher to pray for rain. The preacher didn't hold back. He described the effects of the drought in graphic terms. He, dis- he, <coughs> he told the Lord the creeks were going dry, the wells were muddy, the crops were going to be a total disaster unless rain comes quickly and in great quantities. And the prayer went on and on and on and on. After the service, the farmer thanked the preacher and he headed home. And as he drove up to his house, sure enough, the rain began to fall. It came down so hard that the streams jumped their banks. The fields began to flood and a river of water moved through his field, putting the best part of his crop flat on the ground. After the flood, the farmer surveyed his damage. And the farmer promised himself never again to turn over such a sensitive matter as rain to a preacher who knew so little about farming. (laughs) Get informed. Don't get nosy. But get informed about who and what you're praying for so that you can pray specifically. Number two. Get inspired. We must ask for the Holy Spirit's help when we pray and intercede for other people. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. You have laid so-and-so on my heart. Show me what to pray. And then pause. Remember last week we had our letters P-R-A-Y up here? Pause. Rejoice. Ask. Yield. Pause. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you pray. And then get quiet. Let the Holy Spirit give thoughts, bring thoughts to your mind. Now, if those thoughts are about evil things or or horrible things or damaging things, you can know that they're not coming from God. (laughs) And cast those thoughts out. And say, oh God, let me focus on you and this person. How do you want me to pray? A couple of weeks ago, right here, we had a beautiful time of worship. I was standing in the back and I had this sense, this heavy sense to pray for a particular person. And it got heavier and heavier so that I had to sit down. Kind of like Moses got tired, he had to sit down in order to pray. Okay, I was lazy. I'm nothing like Moses. He was a strong man. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. But that was a that was a posture that, that was meaningful for me to take. So I sat back there and I just prayed and said, God, how do you want me to pray for this person? And he brought some thoughts to me and I began praying for healing. I began praying for this. I began praying for that. I had several conversations with this person so I knew a little bit about their lives. And we continued to sing as a body and I continued to pray in the back and and, and I finished praying and I stood up again and I joined you once again in, in singing and praising God. We sang another song. And at the end of that song, some of you may have been here, it was the 11 o'clock service. And, and Bill was about to transition us to, to, to hearing the message. And Debbie got his attention. 
and said, I think the Lord is giving me a word to share. And so Bill allowed her to do, to share that, and she began to talk. I think the Lord, I don't know who this is for. And the only thing I really remember her saying is towards the end of what she was saying was, fight for your family. And, and, I, and I, we know it was a word of God because it was confirmed by the response of the people that day. They received that word with praise toward God. Thank you, Jesus, for this word, for encouraging us to fight for our families. And the people who were here began to applaud when Debbie finished. That's an affirmation that the Lord is present and the Lord is speaking among us. And while, while Debbie was speaking, I said, Oh, God, you're doing it again. Because Debbie is the person that he laid on my heart to pray for five minutes earlier. And so I, 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 didn't, I didn't cause Debbie to get that word, but the Lord spoke to my heart to pray for Debbie. And then, and then in, that, in that process, Debbie sensed God's Spirit and was able to proclaim this. I'm not taking credit for what Debbie said. I'm saying God uses us to intervene and intercede for other people because other people need help. And God uses us powerfully in other people's lives. I know you know this. Somebody came to me last night after the service and said, Pastor, a week ago or so I was in your office and we were talking. And, and before I left, you prayed with me. Now, I'm telling you these things because these are relatively new experiences for me. And I'm not, and, and I'm not, I, I don't want to brag. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God. And I'm, bra- I'm giving a witness and a testimony to what I see God doing in my life and in other people's lives. And I know that God will also do that in your life if you're willing to trust Him. And this person said, when you, before I left your office, you prayed for me and it was kind of an unusual prayer. It was very specific. It was about my health. But I want you to know that a couple days after that, I had, a, I had a, a, an appointment with my doctor and the doctor came out with, with this plan of treatment. And everything in his plan of treatment followed your prayer. God, pray, intercede for one another, get inspired. That's inspiring. Get informed, get inspired. And the third one says, get indignant. I said this to Carolyn. I said, get indignant? What do you mean get indignant? That sounds, that sounds disrespectful and rude. No. Indignant doesn't mean disrespectful and rude. An indignant prayer is one in which the person praying expresses passion, deep desire, perhaps even anger because of something unjust or unworthy. God, so-and-so does not deserve that. God, that is a wrong that needs to be righted. God, change this situation and get indignant about it. Express your anger toward it. No parent should bury a child. Out of that experience come indignant prayers, undoubtedly. And those are the kinds of prayers that you probably don't want to pray in public. 
But you go to a quiet place where you weep. Maybe you stomp your feet at God. Maybe you raise your fist at God. There's a professor of mine that had a a tree trunk in his backyard where he went to pray indignantly. (laughs) And he had an axe stuck in that tree trunk. He was a counselor. And he heard the trauma of many people. And it made him indignant for the injustices and the trauma and the abuse that many people in our world and he went, to, he, he went to that tree trunk to advocate and to pray indignantly before and intercede for the people that he was counseling for. Counseling. Cancer is an unjust, relentless, careless disease. No one deserves cancer. And cancer deserves an indignant prayer. Get informed. Get inspired. By the Holy Spirit. Get indignant, but always stay, number four, in sync. Our prayers must continue to be in sync with God's plan and God's will. And we see that in Scripture. We get to know God's plan and will by by staying in Scripture and being in Scripture. Get in sync. And if you happen to request something that is outside of God's will, be careful. He might answer your prayer, but you will soon tire of that (laughs) because you'll soon learn not long after that that what you've asked for is outside of God's will and it won't bring the relief that you thought it might or it might bring another problem that you have to deal with now. Be careful what you ask for. Ask for things that are within God's plan for us. God's will. God God is calling you to intercede for others in our church. And some of you have a passion for this and you do it already. And and I'm inviting you, if you want to be part of a group of others in our church who intercede weekly for others, I want you to talk with Pastor Vaughn because he's got a team of people who are willing to pray confidentially for others and lift you up in prayer. But a personal invitation. Do you need to confess to God that you have not been following Him? Is there anything in your life that you need to confess that you know doesn't please the Lord? (laughs) Confess it. Maybe you need to go to one of our prayer stations today and ask somebody to intercede for you. I have this issue. Or maybe you don't want to tell anybody what that issue is. And all you say is, God, I, (coughs) I need prayer Because I know I'm not doing what the Lord is asking me to do. Or maybe you just say, I just need you to pray for me. And and, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to that person. And that person is going to listen to the Holy Spirit. They still may not reveal, the Spirit may not reveal what that problem is. Lucky you. But I've been in prayers where the Holy Spirit has, has intervened and, has, and then the person comes out with a prayer that is so appropriate that I think, how in the world could you pray that? <laughs> you know too much about me. They don't know anything about me. Just listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm inviting you to ask forgiveness from Jesus and commit to follow Him today. He does forgive you. And He will teach you and give you the strength to follow Him. Now, who is God asking you to intervene and intercede for today? I'm inviting you to come and kneel here today or online 
pray, ask people to pray for that person. Or maybe you don't want to reveal who it is, but you're just saying, I'm praying for somebody today. Please join me in praying for somebody. So I invite us to come and kneel and pray. I invite us to stand together. Let's go to God in prayer. You don't learn how to pray unless you pray. So let's stand together. Jesus, teach us to pray. Come, Holy Spirit, help us intercede for others. We need your work in this world. We need your strength. We need to be people who hold up the staff, the sign of the very presence of God in this world today. This world needs you. And you have sent us to be your presence in this world. Help us as we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.
God, we thank you that you are here with us in this place. Whether we're in this room, worshiping online, wherever we are, you are with us. And you love us. That's because of who you are. So, Lord, as you're teaching us how to pray, how to communicate with you, God, help us to do the things that we've heard about today. Let us be informed, God. Lord, we know that there are times when we pray for things that we don't know we're praying for them. But God, we just we ask you to help us to be informed about how we're communicating with you. To be inspired, to get indignant, to get real if it's necessary. But as we talked about last week, to yield and to be in sync with your will. Not my will, God, but your will be done. So, Lord, we pray as we go from this place today that you would send us with your spirit in the name of Jesus. When you need to go, you can go. We are going to continue to worship uh, up here. If you uh, still need prayer, uh, there are folks at the prayer station back here uh, to my right. Uh, Also, if you're worshiping with us online, there are some folks that you can reach out to for prayer. Uh, Don't leave today. If you need someone to pray with you, don't leave today uh, before you do that. God bless you. Thank you. I'm not enough unless you come. Will you meet me here again? Oh, and all I want is all I want is all you